0: Hear the word of God from Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and Revelation 4, verse 11. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And from Revelation, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. I'm so grateful to be with you on this hot summer day, grateful that you came and chose to worship God together in community. Uh, let's, let's just, I just want to say one more prayer before we get started. Probably more for me than you, you're all prayed up, but uh, that's what I needed this morning. Let's pray. God, we pause and acknowledge your power. We pause and acknowledge the words that we say and worship, and remember how they connect to you. Please don't let any words that I say get in the way of what message you would have for the people here today. May they penetrate our hearts, our minds, and as importantly, our actions. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So we recite it, we recite it, we recite it, we recite it. And by reciting it, We say that we believe, and even though it takes less than 45 seconds to say it, we don't do it every week because sometimes it gets rote, and sometimes we wonder about it. I want to invite you to um, recite the words that will appear on the screen together. Let's, it's, we're just going to do this, this one slide. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. Those are the opening words of the Nicene Creed, which was solidified for our Christian faith in 381. It's foundational. We don't say it every week, but it's foundational. And it connects quite nicely to our scripture today. So Jim Harnish, the former senior pastor... Uh, of this church used to say this when you pull in your car and put it into park you don't have to put your brain in park you understand what he's saying you don't have to just turn your your thoughts and your reason and your will off when you pull in to the parking lot we can wrestle with the things that we believe The things that we even say over and over and over again about God, about Jesus, about life, about love, and about death. The Bible is our holy book. Inspired and has the power to transform us in the world. But it's not a science textbook. It's not a science textbook. It has never claimed to be one. Now science can probably best answer the reasons of how, even though it doesn't do so totally comprehensively, but it does a better job than the Bible because the people of the Bible from long ago weren't interested as much in the how, they were interested in the who. You might be wondering, why why are we talking about all this? why are we talking about all this we believe our definition of a disciple of Jesus at this church we've worked we work to say what is it what is it and it's somebody whose life is centering on loving god and loving others somebody who's following jesus whose life continues to center around love so what we believe about god matters because belief should inform our action, and our action certainly illustrates what we believe. How we believe molds our attitudes, our intentions, so we can actually get up and participate in God's transformation of the world. That's why we're doing this series, We Believe, because belief actually matters. Throughout these weeks, we'll look at different parts. Today is God the Father, the one God, the creator of heaven and earth, the things that are seen and unseen. And hopefully it will change us. So I went on my first camping trip when I was nine years old. It was in the sticks of central Pennsylvania, far into the woods and I, I had confess to you, it was a very difficult time in my, in my little young life. But I remember it was, in, it was in October. I remember it was in October. And it was starting to get, you know, that, that uh, Pittsburgh or central Pennsylvania cold. But one night I couldn't sleep. Everybody else was asleep. And I got out of my tent. And I went to sit by the fire. And the fire was dimly lit and there were those last embers kind of glowing. Wasn't emitting a lot of heat, not a lot of light. And as I sat there all by myself, I caught a glimpse of the sky out of the corner of my eyes. And I looked up in the radiance Glowed. It shouted. It it shined so bright. It'd been like nothing I'd ever seen. And I was captured in awe in a way that I've never been captured before. And it really spoke to Psalm 8. And so I just want to read this, this short Psalm to you. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. When I considered your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. For that moment, that's what I felt. I would never have said it that way. You probably wouldn't either. But have you ever had a moment like that in your life? Have you ever had a moment like that when you've looked and you have just are overwhelmed by the beauty and the power and the nature and the cosmos and your inability to grasp the depth of it all? Have you had that? Yes? When? Sunrise. When you've seen a sunrise. Anybody else? Grand Canyon, this side of the room. <laughs> Sunset. Sunset. So we get captured by this majesty. But you know what happened for me? It didn't last very long. I sat there, and just minutes after experiencing that moment, I was thrusted into many troubling questions. Who? How? Why? All of these were bouncing around this little nine-year-old's head in the middle of the night, all by myself. And sadly, that little boy who was nine years old didn't feel comfortable talking to anyone about it looking back now i recognize i had one fundamental question one question and i believe that people since the dawn of time have been asking it a question i bet that you have had yourself a question i bet your kids will either either have had or will have in their lives and the answer is so important because it will shape the way we relate to the world it will shape what we think about ourselves, it'll shape what we think about others, and it will consciously and unconsciously guide us throughout our lives. Now, religious cultures and traditions have answered this fundamental question with creation stories. And we have one. We heard the beginning of it today. But before I share with you what I think that question is and what I think that question was I was wrestling with in my soul I want to share with you another creation story. A creation story that happened in kind of the same region as ours, back around the same time. And I've shortened it a lot, you'll be thankful. But you'll get the gist of it. And this is what it says. There once was a god named Marduk who created the world from a body of a defeated god named Tiamat. He slayed her and he swacked her into two and he took the first part of her slayed body and created the domes of the heavens. And she took the second and he made the earth. He fixed the positions of the stars, ordered the movements of the heavenly bodies and he set the length of the year. He forced the gods who supported Tiamat to work the creation but soon they rebelled so, so to please them Marduk had humans created he created he had humans created and they were formed from the blood of the slain general of Tiamat's army clay from the earth along with his blood and the spittle from the other gods created humans they were created to work the earth and worship other gods and finally, Marduk made rivers and vegetation and animals which created, completed the creation. You see, Babylon's belief was that the world and the heavens and, the, and humans were made from the spoils of war, from a slaughtered god, And the universe was run by multiple forces and multiple gods. Humans were created from a slayed enemy to work for the gods. So here was that all important question. I think that was rattling around my soul as a little boy. And I've asked it since. Can I trust that God and the world are good? Can I trust that God is interested in me, in us? The ancients wrestled with this question and you heard their answer, many of their answers. The Israelites' answer differed, differed from all the surrounding empires and cultures like Babylon that each espoused that there was not one, but there were many. And those gods aren't particularly interested in you and us they believed that matter was at best insignificant or at worst evil or bad but the Hebrews discovered something different they experienced something different and they put forth one compelling idea that would shape the rest of the world since. And that's this. Monotheism. One God. One God who created it all. And what does God say that it is? Good. Very good. So what do you say to the question? Do you trust that God is good? Do you trust that the creation is good? Is good. Do you actually believe in your heart and in your soul that God made you in God's image? And that the core of you is profoundly good. Profoundly good because of God. How you answer will guide your life. Now, I'm not naive. I'm actually a bit of a cynic. Some of you know me. And I recognize that there's some evidence to the contrary. We see forces in our lives and in our culture and in the world that dispute our we believe claim. Senseless evil and senseless suffering erode our certainty about the goodness of it all. That's not all that erodes our belief. Because if we say we believe it, we also got to act it. Right, And sometimes the worship of, this is an old word, idols tear us away at our living out that belief. They beg us to bow to the God of riches or the God of, I just need a little more. Just a little more. Idols invite us to believe that it's our own self-sufficiency in our good works and being a good person That will save us. Then we have the distortions in our own Christian traditions and this drives me insane. If we just believe enough, if we just pray enough, if we just give enough, God will give us everything that we actually want. And then I have friends who lean in the direction of atheism and are nihilist, and they don't believe it all matters. We're all just on this big star on this cosmic trip and all of it will kind of amount to nothing at the end of the day. Distortions like this, idols and senseless evil and, and nihilism thrust us into Chaos. And that builds walls around our hearts. We need less walls in our lives and in our culture. They pull us from the awe when we look up into the heavens down to the disturbing question or the disturbing notion that maybe God, maybe the universe isn't so friendly after all. Our creed says differently. Christians engage but resist these temptations. We gather together and we're able to answer this question. And it is an important question with a resounding yes. We believe that the Bible and the creed are true. That God is a God of love and of strength and of concern and of protection. A God who is beyond us. But with us, who creates order out of chaos, new beauty out of nothing, light out of darkness, and life out of dust. And it is good. God hasn't got out of the creation business either. Because God has work to do on you. And on me. And on this faith community. Paul says in Ephesians 2, We are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for us to do. You are good, brothers and sisters, because God is good. Your goodness was given, not earned. You are called to be the image and likeness of Jesus Christ to the world, to love more, to love God. To love your neighbor and to love, hardest part, enemies. They will know us by our love. They will know what we believe by our love. God takes the mess of our lives, even the questions in our hearts, and can transform them. That is our hope. That is our creed. That little nine-year-old boy on that, on that night answered, the dif- answered that question much differently than I, than I know the answer to be today. Because I answered it no, I saw God in the world in a different way. I wasn't sure about God's benevolence. I was more sure about God's indifference. But you know what changed it? You did. You did. People I met who were trying to follow in the way of Jesus showed me a different way. It wasn't until I experienced that for myself that I could answer that question differently. So here is my hope for you this week that you could believe with a resounding yes that God is good. That you would believe that this world is good. And in, in, in that belief, that would inspire you to do something about it. And last but not least, certainly, that inside of you, your deepest you, is God. And that is good. Others in your life need to hear it. They need to hear about God. They need to hear about Jesus, the Christ. So we can walk in a way that leads to life and that leads to goodness. Let's pray. God, I give thanks for your creed, your word your creation story, which doesn't tell us the how, but tells us the why. That you created out of nothing. That you love us so much. And call us into relationship with you and each other. Help us to trust you, to love you, and to live out this creed, to be the people you've called us to be. We ask all these things In the name of the Creator God. Amen.